Hi friends. Um good morning, good day, good afternoon. Wherever you may be. Um wanted to record the episode for today and then I was just scrolling through down through the news to see the devastating catastrophic events that are happening in New York this time. It's nothing related to the 9/11 attacks, but it's a different attack for sure. Snow has literally killed dozens and dozens of people, making it a very deadly historic winter for New York. Quite unfortunate. For many people over there, it's just a, I don't want to say a crying day, but a crying season. With families mourn those killed in the storm. Well, Western New York is still digging out. A lot of the people out from a punishing holiday blizzard that has taken nearly 30 lives so far. And I'm sure there is more. I've read stories of people that got stuck in their cars and there was this story that stood out for me of a person named Nicole at the age of 22 years old that texted her family that she was scared and she had been calling emergency services for hours on Friday but um it kept putting putting her on hold so at midnight with four feet of snow piling up on the ground and her car still stuck she told her family she was going to try to get some sleep and guess what that was the last time they spoke together she never made it a life so Nicole was found dead in her car on Christmas Eve And that was the time when people were supposed to be celebrating Christmas together with family and that turned into a morning session and what what should have been a celebration there were still presents under the tree still wrapped still unpacked it's It's so hurtful to hear these stories that all of a sudden something happens and and then people just become victims and become history. Um I guess this is what you call life with its oh, unpredictable events and I don't know if global warming is to blame or if it is us to blame um for whatever is happening nowadays um in winter for sure 2022 has been a year of fires a year of explosions in some areas of the world and now finishing 2022 with so much snow that it just 
cut down all the powers in New York. And I'm sure it has also affected different other states, not only New York. But it is what it is. Um, paying my tribute to the victims and their families and the survivors. Um, I hope life gets back to normal at some point in time in the near future. And I hope this doesn't happen again um, to anyone, whether you're in the U.S. or outside of the U.S. I've lived in a snowy country myself, and I know how bloody can, can that be. And it's not, it is beautiful and cute, but when it goes beyond limit, you're literally stuck. And if you're left with no power, no supplies, no nothing, that could be literally your last moments of I guess I'm just going to stop over there. It's it's already hurtful to think about these things. And um, I'm on a personal note myself. I wanted to check in with my brother yesterday, talk with my family. And I was also hit by another um, tragic news with one of my elder sisters that... Um, ended up going to the hospital and she's in the emergencies and and she has undergone a surgery and she she made it alive but there was a time the doctor and the surgeon came out and told everyone in the family that um that was going to be her last moments and that would be the last time she would probably see her because her heartbeats went just like skyrocketing and they couldn't stabilize her and I don't know um, it was a devastating news um, for me as well did not expect that going just wanted to check in with my family and all of a sudden they were telling me your sister is potentially dying she might not make it alive so so that's on a personal note oh i guess the angel of death is just lurking around um who's next probably me i mean we're all gonna die anyway it's just i guess it just depends on <laughs> how are you going to leave this world? Um, and I hope it's going to be peaceful for some people. Uh, not, not, not hard. But yeah, um, this is supposed to be a compliance episode. But as you can see, I'm getting a bit too personal and too emotional over here. Um, so I guess let's just stick to the facts. And um, let's jump right into the compliance <laughs> The field I'm so passionate about, um, the field that I'm trying to, I don't know, I'm still trying to grow, I'll be honest. Um, I know it's been over eight years now and it still feels like I do so much that I need to know. But um, let's, let's try, I guess, focus on the compliance piece and let's talk about what an AML compliance program is and what 
should the program do and when what to know basically when building a program so in order to combat financial crime banks credit unions and a variety of other financial institutions across the world are required to develop and put in place a, an AML compliance program An anti-money laundering program is a set of regulations and procedures that financial institutions follow to prevent and detect money laundering and, and all terrorist financing activities. AML, AML compliance programs are an ongoing process on the BSA, if you remember the Bank Secrecy Act, I'm sorry if I use the acronyms, has been amended by a variety of subsequently introduced legislation to address this. So with this in mind, All financial institutions should have a strong understanding of what an AML compliance program needs to achieve and how to create a program which works for them. So, one may ask, what should an AML compliance program do? In practice, an AML compliance program should ensure that an institution is able to detect suspicious activities associated with money laundering including tax evasion, fraud, and terrorist financing, and reporting to appropriate authorities. An AML compliance program should focus not only on the effectiveness of internal systems and controls developed to detect money laundering, but on the risk posed by the activities of the customers and clients with which an institution does business with. An AML program should be built on a strong foundation of regulatory understanding and overseen by personnel who are experienced and knowledgeable enough to create a climate of compliance at every level of their organization. When developing an AML compliance program, it falls to senior management usually to create, I said usually, most of the time. Uh, this shouldn't be done by our uh, first line of defense. It's Uh, second line function. But anyhow, it falls onto senior management to create a set of policies and procedures which work with the unique needs of their organization. While every variety of factors may affect the size and the shape of your program, it should be built around a set of criteria or key criteria. One of them is having a compliant program risk. Risk assessment is a pillar of AML compliance programs and represents a crucial first step in building an effective program. No two institutions face the same problem, no two institutions face the same set of AML risks, and thus a risk-based approach AML should take into account factors like the products and the services you offer, your customers and clients, and your geographic location. Your approach to AML risk management should suit the specific needs of your company. Ideally, your AML compliance program will avoid the administrative burdens of overcompliance and the potential legal jeopardy of vendor compliance, so it's finding the sweet spot in the middle. There is no one-size-fits-all solution to the inherent challenges of financial landscape. 
individual institutions are expected to build a solution which works for their risk profile. Once a risk assessment is concluded and the institution knows their risk profile, it's time for internal controls. An AML compliance program should focus on internal controls and systems the institution uses to detect and report financial crime. The program should involve a regular review of those controls in order to measure their effectiveness in meeting compliance standards. Internal controls extend to an institution's employees who should be aware of their roles and responsibilities within the system, how to conduct due diligence on business interests, and how to navigate policies and procedures which ensure compliance on an ongoing basis. Another key criteria is independent audits as part of an AML compliance program. An effective AML compliance program should build in a schedule of independent testing and auditing by third-party organizations. Independent testing should be mandated to be taking place every 12 months or 18 months, although institutions working in a particularly high risk areas might consider a more frequent schedule than that. The third-party organization chosen to test the AML program must be qualified to conduct a risk-based audit appropriate to the organization. In large institutions, this audit may also be conducted by an internal team, which is independent from an AML and compliance function. Following external or internal audit, we also have AML training as a key criteria for an AML compliance program. While every employee within a financial institution should have a working knowledge of AML procedure, specific employees will bear greater responsibility for the, for the implementation of the AML compliance program. It may be appropriate for an institution to implement a base level of training for all employees and add further targeted training to those with more AML-specific responsibilities. Therefore, in a manner similar to creating an audit and testing schedule, an AML compliance program should, should also ensure that those employees receive regular training and know how to perform assigned duties. A variety of organizations offer trainings for employees who need to be updated or to update their, their knowledge and competencies. Lastly, we have the compliance officer. AML compliance programs should appoint a designated principal AML compliance officer who is responsible for overseeing the general implementation of AML policy within the institution. AML compliance officers should have sufficient experience and authority within their institution to ensure that they can perform their duties effectively. Those duties include communicating with authorities and auditors, briefing senior management, and making an email policy recommendation based on audits and reports. It goes without saying that AML compliance officers should be experts in the legislative requirements of their local environment. I hope the knowledge I share reminds you that anything is possible, and here you will learn everything you need to know to get you to the next milestone and get closer to your dreams. The content I'm putting out here on this platform is driven by a desire to help you and see you succeed. I'll be generous with my time and expertise 
even if no one is asking me to do so. I just want you to know what I'm doing is simply coming from a place of generosity. Everything that I create for you is designed to help you move the needle, take some action, feel inspired, and remember your dreams. Know that you have the opportunity to create an incredible lifestyle of yours. And I know this surely excites you. Anything is possible if you can find a way and time to nail your career goals. As long as you hold on to the belief that this is possible for you. Don't feel like it's beyond you and know that you have everything you need. Thank you for visiting us for this episode of Compliance Careerist. Consider following us if you consider taking on development and professional opportunities to help you succeed consciously. And if you know someone who would benefit of listening to Compliance Careerist, please share it with them.